my car literally spun around, hit the embankment, and went and was airborne and came crashing down on the highway. And I see coming directly at me cars going 60 to 70 miles an hour on slick, icy roads. That's crazy. GMBA Youthcast. Everyone has an opinion about the big choices in your life. But which opinions matter and which ones don't? And what do you do when God doesn't seem to be answering your prayers for direction? Today on YouthCast, Brother Joe and Yanni, joined by his wife, Sister Darlene, shares about how he found himself on a career path that he was absolutely dreading, all because of the opinions of his friends and his family and even his own doubts. Until finally, God broke through all that noise and set him on a career path that was a perfect fit. And honestly, it's a crazy story. You've got to listen to this. So, Brother Joe, thank you so much for joining us on the show and for being willing to share your testimony. How do you find yourself in your 20s, not really knowing what you want to do, but pursuing a career that you actually kind of hate? In my home, my, my father was, a, was a, a medical doctor. And so the truth is that my entire life, my parents and friends of the family assumed I would be an, a doctor, an MD. So I felt utterly pressured when I, showed, when I went to college to, to declare biology like as my major. But I never had any interest in it. And, and in fact, during the first year I was in college, um, I took all these classes to make my parents happy but I was miserable in every one of them. Um, and at a certain point, I said, I, this just not, that's not me, and that's not what I want to do. And I started taking classes that I liked, which were things like uh, political science, history. And at a certain point, I just said, okay, um, that's going to lead to, you know, what do I want to do with that? And everyone said, of course, you want to go to the law school. That's the big payoff if you are a political science major. And, uh, and so. I applied to law school and I and I got accepted and I and I decided to go to a law school in the in Detroit. And the whole su- summer I began to struggle saying, "Well, I like those topics. I I'm not sure that my life should be in the career of law versus something else." And uh when I got to law school the first day, and everyone else was so excited. All the other first year students were like, "Isn't this great? We've dreamed of this day." I went home depressed. And every day I would go back. I said, I don't want to be here. I don't want to be here. And when I would tell people that, they'd say, you, you spent three, you know, four years preparing for this. What do you mean you don't want to be here? It just doesn't feel right. So then you're on this path of law school, but you're like not enjoying it. What are the kind of the, I guess, the factors or pressures that you feel like are pushing you to keep going or to maybe think about changing course? Well, as I mentioned that my parents wanted me to be a doctor. But I think when I said, well, I'll be a lawyer, <laughs> that wasn't, they, they weren't utterly you know, upset about it because at least I had this major career path. So when I would tell them I might want to leave law school, they told me, no, that's like not an option. And my friends told me, don't even, no, 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 just stick it out. But my spirit, my spirit, and let me tell you, I, at this point, I had been baptized about three years. 
my, I, I felt my spirit was telling me, this is not for you. You are in the wrong place. And were you, were the two of you dating at this time? Yes. Oh, did, yes. Did Sister Darlene, <laughs> did you or your family or anything, anyone have any opinions or thoughts about this? They did. I, my, my parents both were dropouts, high school dropouts. Um, and so they were excited at the prospect of me marrying someone who's going to be a lawyer and take care of me. So there was pressure on my family side, yeah. too, I would say. So we had been dating. When I got into law school, we had been dating for three years. Um, and we were in love, and we began thinking, it's, you know, it's, we'd like to get married. So in the fall, the fall I went to law school, at Christmas time, I proposed to Darlene, and, and she said, I'm not Absolutely. sure why. I'm not sure why. <laughs> yeah. It's about time. Uh, and, okay, I said, well, I'll go to her parents and ask them for her hand in marriage. And I was thinking that we could have, it was December, we could have an August wedding the next, the next summer. So when I, when I went to her parents in December asking for her hand in marriage, they were furious. <laughs> they, they said, you're in school, and so how are you going to provide for your wife? And I said, well, you know, eventually, when, I, when I'm done, uh, you know, I, I'll, I'll, I'll provide for her. But they just basically said, no. over our dead body, I, you I said, was, I can't do it. I'm I not going to marry it. you. I'm, if my, your parents wow. don't support this, then I can't marry you. I love you, but I need them to be supportive. This would be too hard. Right. So I was crushed. because yeah. There was no prospect that this was going to happen for the next few more years then. I just didn't think it would, it, I did not want to go into marriage with my in-laws angry and upset. Yeah. So at some point, um, you, you did could go a different course. How did you get to that decision? You have all these factors trying to tell you where <laughs> right. to go. Right, absolutely. So I tried to go to law, to, sorry, tried to go to church as much as I could when I was now in Detroit, every Wednesday, every Thursday, every Sunday, even though I was studying a lot. Um, and so I was praying, I was asking people to pray for me, and I felt like I wasn't getting an answer. I knew I hate, I shouldn't be there, but but I didn't have the nerve or I wasn't brave enough to stop doing this because everyone else would tell me how logical it was. Fast forward to February. I was so miserable. It was the morning. It was early in the morning. I was about to leave to drive to law school. And I fell on my knees and soon I was face down on the floor and I was begging the Lord to show me what to do. And I said, I don't have the courage. I feel like I should quit, but I'm not brave enough to quit. Uh, if I'm right, Lord, I said, if I'm right that I should not be going to law school, I said, Lord, stop me. Stop me from going to law school. So wiped away the tears, got in the car, started driving to school. And I had to take a freeway uh, up there. I'm and it's winter, and it's winter in Detroit. The, uh, the medium between the you know, lanes going one direction and the other, there was now a pile of snow that was, you know, uh, you know uh, six feet high. It was covering the medium. I was driving fast. I was now late for, a little bit late for school, maybe because I'd been crying and praying. I'm going 70 miles an hour on icy, slick roads, and suddenly a car in the, in the middle just moved over and hit the front of my car. And when it hit the front of my car, my car literally spun around, hit the embankment, 
It spun around, hit the embankment, and went and was airborne and came crashing down on the highway. And I see coming directly at me cars going 60 to 70 miles an hour on slick, icy roads. And I just held onto the steering wheel and said, I, I just remember saying, Lord, save me, help me. I see the car slamming on their brakes, and the car in my lane literally stopped six inches from from my front bumper. And I was just, I put my head down and I was just shaking. This had all happened so suddenly, and it was like a nightmare or dream that had happened. About a minute passed, I would say, and I felt, I heard a knocking on the window. And I look up and there's a man standing there who I don't know. He opens my door. He literally takes a hold of me. <laughs> I was like frozen. He takes a hold of me and says, come with me. We walk into the gas station, and then he leaves me and goes inside, comes back and says, oh, everything will be fine. As I start walking inside, I take maybe a step. I turn around because I realize I haven't thanked him. I don't even know what he's done, but I haven't thanked him. I turn around, he's gone. I walk in, now wondering, where's that man? The person at the gas station said, He's taking care of everything. We're going to tow your car. Come with me. He puts me in a tow truck. We go get my car, go in the wrong direction, and we drive home, drive back to my home, which is about 15 miles away. And right when we get to my home, he says to me, he told me, you need to thank God. <laughs> you need to thank God for what he's done. This is a miracle. And I said, yes, yes. And then I get out of the car, and I said, how much do I owe you? He said, nothing. I look at my car, and I realize there's not a scratch on it. There's not a dent. There's not a scratch. It's like nothing has happened that day. And I looked up, and I said, Lord, I can't explain this, but thank you. And then I heard the voice of the Lord audibly say, you told me to stop you. Wow. Told me to stop you. You, know, you asked God, God, if this is the wrong way for me, you got to stop me. And he literally, physically yes. turned you yes. in the opposite direction. Yes. That's crazy. And I went inside the house and again, I cried like a baby. I said, Lord, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And the next day, I went to law school. And I disenrolled. I checked out of law school. So I said, what am I going to do? I'm, you know, I, I don't know. I didn't have, this was not in my plan. I immediately just said, I want to be doing something. And so here I was a college graduate. I'd done really well in college. I was in law school. I went to the closest mall. <laughs> and I said, I just want to get a job at the mall, just so I'm doing something. And I got a job at The Gap, the store The Gap. <laughs> okay. <laughs> And, and as I like to tell people when I, when I recount this, if you think the gap is not impressive today, <laughs> it was really not impressive then. It literally was a store that sold one product. It sold 100% blue jeans. You couldn't buy anything else. So, Sister Darlene, what are you thinking now? Because your, your lawyer boyfriend is now working at the mall. Well, you know, obviously, on one hand, it's discouraging because I thought, well, we're not going to be getting married anytime soon. But on the other hand, I spoke to him every day. I was still finishing up my last classes at Michigan State, and he would call me every day and sounded so 
dejected, despondent. He was miserable. So I was gratefully quit. Now, when he got a job at the Gap, I was a little concerned. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. I thought, oh, but no, now what's going to happen next? Because he really did not have any direction of what his next step would be other than just get a minimum wage job to have some income for gasoline. I mean, that was it. It sounds like there were like a lot of opinions of people telling you you need to go this way and this way. But ultimately, you said there's one opinion that really matters. And that's where the Lord's directed me. And so you kind of stepped out on faith a little bit. I, I did because I, because I was, I was, pe- people made fun of me when they heard what I was doing, <laughs> but I, I, I said, Lord, I, I'm going to trust in you. You've got something for me. I don't know what it is, but you've got something for me. I, you know, so after a few days of working at the gap, I said, you know, I, I just said, Lord, I get, I don't thank you, but I don't get this. What am I doing here? <laughs> I wasn't even out in front. My job was trucks would come in with blue jeans. My job was to fold the blue jeans so they could be put on the shelf. So all day long, I would I would fold hundreds of pairs of blue jeans. And then a couple days into the job, the Spirit of God came over me and said, use this time well. And I've been, again, I, would go, I was now going to church all the time. And I said, you know what? I'm there. I don't have to think about anything else. My job is so simplistic. I can be in meditation with the Lord. I can be praying for eight hours a day. And I started this thing that I began to do was on every pair of blue jeans, I would ask God would bless someone. So I would just literally go up and down the roads of our branch. <laughs> and anyone I would know would say, for a prayer, Lord, be with this sister today. And her and next one. Be with her daughter. <laughs> Be with this brother. Every day for eight hours, I was in prayer. And instead of being depressed in my job, I'd go home on like a spiritual high. <laughs> Do you think it like mattered that you had this? Because at the end of the day, whether you you have a great attitude every for eight hours or you have a lousy attitude, you're still working at the gap. The, like, does it matter? <laughs> and why, why is why do you think God is like putting you through it instead of just clearly showing you what's the next step? I, again, I think the Lord taught me a lesson, uh, a great patience. lesson of patience, humility. Yeah. And again, I was making, this is, this is a true number, I was making $2.65 an hour. <laughs> That's what minimum wage was, okay? Uh, but again, this lesson I learned, it told me no matter what my job was, even though I, never, I did not want it per se, I didn't like it, it's not what I wanted, I could still serve God and find beauty in a job um, like that. I think when we look to our circumstance and expect that to be our source of joy, then we're always going to be up and down. To, uh, right. Oh, and I'm happy now. I'm sad. I'm happy now. I'm sad now. And when we can go through like a valley or something that's not ideal and learn to find joy in it, then when you get to a point where things are going great, it's like double blessed because now <laughs> things are going great. Plus, like, you know, if things change, it's still going to be okay. And you know that that great thing is just adding extra bonus to the joy that you already have in your heart. So Very how, how long was this going on for, for months or what? It was getting to, I want to say the date was April 15th. And I, I'd asked various graduate programs, written to them about applying to their school and all that. And the deadline for like almost every school was April 15th. So I was getting close to April 15th. And I, and again, I said, Am I supposed to apply to these schools? Is that the next step? There was no clear direction. 
But I just kept thinking, I got to do something. I have to do something. I don't want to be an embarrassment. Maybe I should just apply and we'll see where that goes. I'll just, I'll just apply to all these schools. And a group of young people went out to Denny's. And so we were sitting around Denny's and someone asked me what I was doing. And I just told them, you know, I'm working at the Gap, but I think I'm about to apply to a bunch of grad schools uh, because I don't, because otherwise, what am I going to be doing next year? And, and, and I, said, I said, the deadline's coming up. The deadline's coming up like in a week. I need to do it immediately. And a young brother turned to me and, and spoke with a power, and I believe he like even raised his hand as he looked at me and said, do not apply to any school. Do not make the same mistake again. And, and I said, "What, brother, what was that? He said, I, I don't know. God just spoke through me. I didn't, exp- I didn't, I didn't those weren't my words. What do you think was the mistake that, that God was trying to tell you not to make again? In no way did I feel directed to apply to those schools. But it was totally just my thinking or people talking in my ear. And I was about to make a similar mistake, going on to school just because I was told I was supposed to do that. And so I looked at my, my brother and sister and said, okay, I'm, I'm done. <laughs> I'm done. I will not apply to any school. I guess I won't be going to school next year because these are the deadlines. And we'll figure it out. But I guess I'm not going to school next year. I remember him calling me and telling me I'm not going to apply to grad school. And I, and for a moment, you're just thinking, okay, now what? What, what about us? But more importantly, I really did feel listening to him speak and knowing who the brother was that spoke to him. I said, you know what, Joe? Wait, don't do anything then. And I felt good in it. I felt good when I hung up that phone and he had told me. So you wait on the Lord. Yes. Headlines passed. Headlines passed. Can't go to Pierce. Nope. So what happens? A month later, like I'm living at home, living at home, working at the gap, okay? And, you know, a college grad, and that's, that's where I'm at. Um, but my mother answered the phone and said, some strangers on the phone for you, Joe. So I get on the phone, and this woman said, hello, I am, I am so-and-so from Purdue University. I said, from Purdue University? She said, yes, I'm calling to tell you that you have been accepted into our graduate program. I said, I didn't apply to your, <laughs> your, your graduate program. I pl- I, I, she goes, we know that. We feel that you would be a perfect fit for our program. And she said, are, are you working right now? And I said, yes, at the Gap. <laughs> and she said, if you want, you can come to Purdue. We'll provide for the next two years for all your graduate t- training. All the classes are free. If you come now, We'll have a, we have a job for you and going forward for the next two years. And you didn't even apply for it? Never applied. And so the next week, I drove there and met with them, met at the university. At the end of the conversation, because I said, you know, this all came out of the blue. This is all so fast. He said, sometimes you just need to step out in faith. I said, where do I sign? <laughs> <laughs> what happens to your girlfriend back at home? Great question, my brother. <laughs> So that weekend, a few days later, I went to Darlene's. I went to Darlene's home just to see her. With her, and her parents were there, and Darlene's parents pulled me aside, and they said to me, "We want you to get married to Darlene immediately." And in fact, we think the wedding should be in August. 
which is what we'd wanted back the in December. They picked the day and the time, <laughs> and Darlene and I got married in August. It, like right now, I hear the story, and I'm like, oh, that was so great. Like God just came through and took care of everything. What an easy thing to go through. But when you're working at the gap, you don't see how it's going to all like resolve no. so well at all. What would you say to someone who feels like they're trying to seek the Lord's direction in whether it's a career or anything in their life, and they're just feeling like they're in they're in the gap where they're like, I don't see a clear path forward. I don't see where God is leading me. What it taught me is I don't want to make any major decision without the without God being involved. You don't just do it because others are telling you to do it. And sometimes you have to wait. Sometimes it goes on longer than you ever wanted it to go. But I, my, my, what I've learned is keep asking. God's plan was so much greater and far more amazing than I could have ever, ever imagined. And I cho- and ended up in a career that I loved. <laughs> I, became, I, I became a professor who taught constitutional law, you who studied the Supreme Court. <laughs> huh. Things I loved, but I didn't have to deal with dealing with the things that bothered me about being a lawyer. When, this, when we started here, law school, you're in your 20s already, is that right? Yes. With, with still not knowing what you want to do as a career, I feel like there's a lot of pressure nowadays. Like I used to work in a high school and they'd be like, oh, you're 14. So you got to know what you want to do for your career. <laughs> no, right, it's, right. It's, it's like, as long as the Lord is leading your path, there's yeah. not a timeline. You don't need to be comparing yourself to someone else. If the Lord is leading your path, then you're right where you're meant to be. Amen. So Amen. I think that's a, an awesome testimony. Um, do, do you feel like there is like, a scripture verse or anything that you feel like would uh, summarize or this this kind of chapter in your life? It's in the Gospels, in more than one Gospel. It's Jesus Christ telling us, ask, seek, and knock. And if you do those things, and you continue to do those things in faith, He will always answer. The door will be open. And what, what I think of with that passage where He says, you know, knock and the door shall be opened, right, is... You don't just go knock. Oh, the door to nail answer. I'm gonna, I'm gonna leave. Or you don't just say right. You don't just seek in one place. Oh, it's not there. I guess I won't find it. Right. You got. You keep going, and and that's an instruction that God gives us to keep asking and seeking and knocking. Amen. All right. Well, thank you, Brother Joe, for being my guest on the show and for sharing that testimony. Um, for everyone in the audience. Stay tuned for the next episode. We're going to hear Sister Darlene's testimony, and I look forward to seeing you next time. I'm Sabrina L. from San Diego, California. You can connect with the GMBA on YouTube, all major podcast platforms, and Instagram. There are links in the description. Make sure to like and subscribe, leave a comment, and share this with someone you know. Thank you. Thank you.